Jane Alexander was in good spirits that day. An athletic, articulate woman of sixty-one, known for her fiery, conservative opinions and dedication to family and friends, Jane seemed happier than she had been in years. This was largely thanks to the company of Tom O'Donnell, a tall and charismatic family friend who had become her romantic partner three years after her husband's tragic death. He was fifty-seven, a ballroom dancer, a world traveler, and a world-class raconteur. Tom was a welcome addition to the comfortable, upper-middle-class social set that Jane had enjoyed for decades. Thanks to her late husband's foresight and financial planning, Jane owned a large and beautiful home in Sleepy Hollow, a -a two-and-a-half-acre slice of paradise just fifteen miles north of the Golden Gate Bridge. Her mortgage was a mere $40,000, less than a tenth of the property's value. Although Jane had not gone to work after his premature death, she was meeting the payments and living securely on Al's modest pension and Social Security benefits. If Al's early death had caused any financial worry, her fortunes had improved when she and O'Donnell fell in love, since he had amassed a sizable Swiss trust fund that was just months from maturity. Between the two of them, there was more than enough to live comfortably on for the rest of their lives. The phone rang, and the hostess answered it. "'It's for you, Jane,' Nancy said. "'Who would be calling me here?' She recognized the voice of Hugh Fine, a friend who was spending the weekend with Jan and Tom while studying for his final college examinations. The sixty-two-year-old father of nine was pursuing a lifelong dream of becoming a chiropractor, and Jane and Tom were happy to supply him with a place to stay in her roomy five-bedroom house. Hugh sounded worried. "'Cousin Irma called,' he said. "'She's very upset. She says she called your Aunt Gert's house about eight-thirty last night with no answer. She thinks something awful has happened.' Jane was immediately concerned. Gertrude McCabe was a surrogate mother to Jane, helping to raise her when her parents divorced. Aunt Gert lived alone in San Jose, seventy miles south of Jane's Marin County home. At age eighty-eight, Gert was active, healthy, and predictable as a Swiss watch. At eight-thirty, she should have been home watching television or reading. Jane immediately called her cousin Irma Clark in San Francisco. Irma was nearly hysterical. I called just now and a stranger answered, so I hung up, thinking it was a wrong number. When I called back, he told me he was a police officer. Irma said the officer refused to answer any questions concerning Aunt Gert. Jane told Irma to stay by the phone and try not to worry. Among the company was Jim Rode, Jane's attorney and longtime friend, who advised her to call the San Jose Police Department. All the police dispatcher would offer was a curious statement. An entry has been made for 165 Arroyo Way in San Jose. Next, when she telephoned Gertrude's house, the man who answered identified himself as a San Jose police officer. This is Jane Alexander. I'm the niece of Gertrude McCabe. Where are you calling from? What's your phone number? Jane gave him the information he requested, then asked, Why are the police at the house? Is Gertrude sick? Is she in the hospital? I really can't say, Miss Alexander. I'm not in a position to reveal any information at this time. He concluded by telling Jane that someone would call her back in a few minutes. Jim Rode waited with Jane until the phone rang a few minutes later, and then listened in on the extension. It was the San Jose coroner, Nat Gossett. 
Mrs. Alexander, are you the niece of Gertrude McCabe? Yes. I'm sorry to tell you that your Aunt Gertrude has been the victim of a homicide. What? Your aunt has been the victim of a homicide. Homicide? Was she shot? No. Jane pressed for more information, but the coroner was no more forthcoming than the police officers had been. Finally, Jane told him she was coming to San Jose. I'm sorry the officers have not yet finished at the crime scene. There's nothing you can do. Please don't come down at this time. The news quickly dampened the spirit of the football party, and everyone fell silent. What was there to say?